Hey everybody, welcome to Practice Makes Faithful. My name is Ben Patterson, joined by Paul Hubert. Yeah man, I'm here this morning. Sleepy. Yes sir. We are um, in season three, episode 18, and we are excited to dive into this conversation into a brand new series right. today, which we'll jump into in just a minute. Yeah. Yep. How's the weekend, Ben Paul? Good weekend. Good weekend. I mean, I, I feel like maybe, I don't know. I always feel like after weekend, it must have been real busy one because I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. sleepy on what is for us Monday morning. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I think maybe everybody talks about that really with uh, with Monday mornings, right? Mm-hmm, that it's just kind of mm-hmm. hard to get back in the groove. Um, you know, we begin with an early Monday morning prayer call. And so, of course, getting up a little bit earlier, uh, maybe about an hour earlier uh, to be able to do that prayer call and then getting the kids to school. And they're always groggy on Mondays. But uh but by Wednesday, we're rocking and rolling. I think I've said that yes, before. Sir. <laughs> so right now, what you can count on is that, that Ben and I, neither of us are sleepy anymore. We are back in the saddle. So There you go. There how you about go. you? Man, it's been good. It has been a, been a really cool weekend at GC. We've had mm-hmm. several different grad parties have been yeah. to this weekend. And yes. uh, we had actually our milestone Sunday, or milestone mm-hmm. Sunday, milestone celebration at Grace Chapel, which is yeah. a really cool event. We started a few years back where yeah. we started kind of coupling together these two events of baby dedication and our senior celebration, right. putting those together on this one day milestone celebration, which is about celebrating these really significant markers mm-hmm. in a young person's life in this, there are kind of these moments of transition as we right. look at yeah. what's what they, how far they've come and yeah. look at what is to come in their That's life. Exactly so right. it's been a, it was a really special day. We celebrated yeah, it youth night, our senior celebration. Okay. Yeah. Give out our what we did call ultimate awards to okay. our seniors. It was a fun Very time. Cool. It was a good night. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I, I think the the idea of milestones is, is definitely significant. You know, it's kind of how we mark the passing of time with these really significant events. You know, there's so much that's probably happened in our lives. You know, uh, uh, for me, uh, 44 years looking backwards. Um, there are all these details that I have forgotten, but there are certain things that I absolutely remember and have held mm-hmm, on to. Mm-hmm. You know, those are those mile markers, and we hope to be able to celebrate those, like you said, with with our young families and then with our graduating seniors and their families as well. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely very special. Yeah, special for moment. sure. For sure. Awesome. So, as we launch mm-hmm. into this series, we're in this new series called Second Timothy in These Last Days. Mm-hmm. Um, will you tell us what is this series about? Why are we doing this? Why Second Timothy? Yeah, like, yeah. Give us a little bit of context around this. Yeah. So uh, it's a pretty neat letter that uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to uh, to Timothy, who was one of his you know disciples, a young disciple, one who he'd really probably led to faith. Although Timothy had his <clears throat> his grandmother and his mother uh, who had poured into him, who had invested in him. But certainly we see probably one of the most significant uh, spiritual influences in his life was the Apostle Paul. In fact, uh, Timothy goes along on some missionary journeys with Paul. He is the one that Paul leaves or sends to Ephesus. And so these letters were written to Timothy uh, when he was at Ephesus from the Apostle Paul, first and second Timothy, both second Timothy written while Paul was in prison. He's writing this letter to Timothy and just really encouraging him you know, again, as he did in First Timothy as well. I mean, First Timothy four is one of you know most famous passages or most uh, widely read passages when we think about young people. Um, you know, Paul encouraging Timothy to not let anyone look down upon him for for his youth, mm-hmm. but to set an example for these older believers in love, faith, uh, speech, purity, and so um, you know that's that's big. But then in Second Timothy, the Apostle Paul kind of takes 
all these ideas further, especially as it relates <coughs> to Timothy and the leadership that he now has in this church in Ephesus <laughs> and his call to, um, to really work to protect his own faith as God is working to protect that faith. Um, you know, then beyond that, the call that he has to pass that faith on to others, uh, the call that he has to stand firm in the last days as many things are attacking and assailing his faith. And so really it's, it's, the, it's a letter from an older believer who's discipled a younger believer saying, <laughs> man, all these things that, that I have, um, have seen grow in you because I took the time to uh, pour into you and, and seed in you, all these things that have grown keep going this direction. I'm not always going to be around. I won't always be here for you. And so the Apostle Paul is um, encouraging Timothy to, to keep going what started growing, you know, yeah. in a sense. Yeah. And so uh, it's a great letter of encouragement, super, uh, I think, super applicable to what we were talking about yesterday <laughs> as we think about this Milestone Sunday. And I always try to pick out a message that will engage our graduating seniors and is a challenge to them. It's kind of a, you know, if, if I were to give, um, if I were to give your graduation speech, basically, uh, what do they call that at graduations? The, the keynote, the... Yeah, is it commencement? Commencement, speech. the commencement. There you go. I was going to say convocation. No, it's not that. It's commencement. <laughs> if I were to give the commencement speech at a graduation and I were to get to do it from a, a very biblical perspective, you know, I always think about what would I want to say. And so sometimes, you know, we've done Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the call, hey, stand up. When everybody else is bowing down, you stand up, stay mm -hmm, strong. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this message from first, you know, Second Timothy chapter 1 is, is really along those lines. Um, again, but from the Apostle Paul's perspective, speaking uh, words of love and truth and grace and encouragement and exhortation into Timothy's life. And so got to relay those words to, uh, to our graduating seniors, their families, and, and issue a challenge to everyone else out of that too um, as, as part of you know, what we were doing. Um, we can talk a little more about that if you want to um, and, and flesh that out a little bit further as well. But yeah, I mean, yeah. really with this letter, it's, it is all from that perspective. Mm -hmm. The Apostle mm -hmm. Paul saying, here's what I, I want you to, to be thinking about, Timothy. And we're gonna walk through that, that for four weeks this month of May. Awesome. Awesome. So where where'd you get started in this? Yeah, I mean, you know, yesterday, I, I really, I love the uh, I love the way that the Apostle Paul begins by painting this imagery as he says to Timothy, Second uh, Timothy one six. He says, "For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of my hands." And mm -hmm. so Paul acknowledging. There's something incredible in you. It came from God through my investment in you. The idea of laying on hands is the idea of a passing on. So what I have, I passed on to you now. Certainly, there was often spiritual significance to that. I mean, the laying on of hands sometimes conveyed the gift of the Holy Spirit. Certainly, miraculous manifestations of the Holy Spirit in the first century. We know mm -hmm. we see that in other places. But Paul is basically saying, I laid on my hands as a way of passing on what was in me to you, and now this gift of God is in you. And, and what he does is he tells Timothy, he, he gives this, uh, this imagery, this metaphor in a sense of a growing flame, so fan into flame. Now for, uh, for first century uh, people, this idea of, of taking and, and cultivating a small spark and turning it into a flame would have been 
you know, obvious. I mean, they, they don't, they, they didn't have stoves like we have at home. You know, you don't just get to turn on the gas burner or turn on the electric burner and now you can cook or uh, heat your house with gas or whether you have a heat pump or whatever it is that you have. You know, for them, it all, all of that revolved around fire. So there was some real significance to that. And so um, Paul is using this imagery to, to really impress upon Timothy the, the need to purposefully cultivate the gift of God, basically. It's saying, I, I want to remind you that what is in you has to be purposefully cultivated, okay? And so he uses this, uh, this imagery of fire. And, and so I talked a, a little bit on Sunday about the idea, you know, I love to watch these survival shows. In fact, mm -hmm. I've gone out and I've tried to do some of this on a couple of occasions with some friends <laughs> over the years, you know, where we're basically trying to take very little and go and survive, you know, what people would consider primitive camping, basically. Yeah. And so can we take what we find, take what we catch, take what we, you know, and slowly work that up to where we now have something that is livable and sustainable. And uh, it's wild. I mean, taking the things that you find, you know, I can remember being on this island with, uh, we actually did this with uh, with our youth group when I was still working in youth ministry in Florida. We, we uh, um, I wish I could remember what, uh, what we called uh, what we call these events we did it for several years but we'd take folks out and they, you know and they had to work to 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 build something that was sustainable um, and so you know you take what you find on this island we went to this island called Cayo Costa in Florida one time and so um, you know the kids gathering dry grasses and all these things that they could get together and they had just a flint and mm -hmm. you know like a magnesium mm -hmm. lighter and so um, you know watching them try to get this fire going with just the ingredients they could find and the little things we gave them. And, you know, so of course we as, uh, we as counselors are doing the same in that and, and we got our fire going a lot, a lot more quickly than others. But, but even in saying that, you know, that's, it's difficult to get a fire going with just the things that you have around you, you know? And so it, it really starts to bring to mind this idea of what it takes to take this spark, you know, and it, it's, it's easy to, you know, if you got one of those magnesium rods, you can make sparks happen pretty quickly, you know, so, so by taking the back of a knife and running along that rod, you're creating sparks pretty quickly, but that spark does not become a flame without a lot of hard work. And even if you can get that spark to take and become a small flame and then move into being an ember, then you have to slowly add to that um, increasingly significant fuel. So you might start with some dry leaves and then you move to some dry grass and everything has to be dry. I mean, if you put anything wet on that, you kill the fire right away. It's not an easy task. And again, for anybody who's watched, uh, you know, survival shows, uh, what's, the, what's the one that's uh, so big on? Um, alone. Alone, that's yeah. it right now. Yeah, so, so alone is the really big one right now. It used to be, you know, back in the day when I was, uh, kind of younger, it was Bear Grylls or Man vs. Wild, Les Stroud, Survivor Man. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, my boys have loved watching this guy uh, Hayden Ozell, and I can't remember what his show is. Um, you know, I don't know. So they all got different names that are like Call of the Wild and Survivor, <laughs> and you know, all this stuff's got to do with survival, right? But you know, in, in all these shows, there's this pretty common theme that fire is. It's this necessary element. So you can mm -hmm. see the lengths mm -hmm. that these guys will go to to create fire and to sustain that fire, to keep that fire going. And, uh, and so that's what the Apostle starts. Uh, the Apostle Paul starts with this imagery as he's talking to Timothy about the gift of God that is in him, this, this faith 
in Jesus Christ that lives in him that is now growing, uh, this growing relationship with the work of the Holy Spirit in him, the growing relationship with God himself. And Paul is saying over and over and over again, work to fan this thing into flame. Mm -hmm. You know, there are things that will come and threaten that flame, um, and, and you've got to guard it. You know, basically this encouragement that, that God is working to guard what he's put in you, but you guard it too, mm -hmm. right? So be purposeful in that. So really, I mean, that's kind of the message that, um, that I tried to share with, uh, you know, with our, our graduating seniors, but, but making it applicable to everybody too, because, you know, even at later stages in life, you know, I can think about, um, I can think about times where the fire of God is burning brightly in me, and, and maybe I start to neglect that fire, and I don't add fuel to the fire. Um, and, and then something comes and attacks it, you know? And we'll talk about some of those things that, that can attack the, the faith that we have, and, and how easy it is if we've been neglecting that fire of faith for that fire to start to, to go out or to dwindle and, yeah. and need yeah. to be rekindled. And, and so really, it's a message that's really, truly applicable to everyone. We don't have to be, um, you know, the younger disciple that an older disciple is counseling. Um, you know, it can be any one of us who are being counseled by the Word of God, as we read in 2 Timothy chapter 1, to really do everything we can to cultivate what God has put in us, to guard it, to cultivate it, to, to grow it, all those things. That's good. That's good. So let's, let's flesh that out a bit more. Okay. Um, in some... In the message on Sunday, you said that fanning a spark to a flame yeah. requires time, intentionality, and focus. Yeah. So let's skill yes. practical with that and say, what what might that look like yes. in the life of a young person to fan that spark into a flame? Yeah. So again, just to reignite that imagery, um, really bad, uh, really bad pun, right? Um, but to bring, bring that imagery back to mind, I mean, think about the way that somebody who is trying to get a fire going will hover over it mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and will, will blow on that little ember and will guard it, will put his, yeah. his or her hands around it to guard it. And so there's this protection, there is this intentionality, there's this focus, there's the taking of time. You can't rush this thing. So there's patience with it, incredible patience that goes along with that. And so, yeah, so in the life of a, a young Christ follower, uh, there are some real markers um, that, that either, you know, I think, and, and it goes both ways. I mean, uh, the reality is, is that um, we as older disciplers of younger people, we are taking time, lots of patience, intentionality, focus to cultivate this, uh, you know, the flame of faith in their lives and also, they have to take time because they're also cultivating that flame within their own lives. Mm -hmm. And so, so nobody is the fire in this sense, except mm -hmm. maybe the fire of faith, the fire of faith in God that's growing. Everybody's in the business of cultivating okay. or of, of shaping that. And so uh, we talked before about the, the book called Sticky Faith, written by mm -hmm. uh, Kara mm -hmm. Powell and Chap Clark. And um, you know they did roughly a five-year research project trying to figure mm -hmm. out what it looked like um, and, and how faith stuck in the lives of some young folks when for so many it, it just didn't. You yeah. know, they left yeah. home and that faith was not sticky anymore. Or we could say that the faith, the flame of faith was no longer fanned in them. Um, you know, and so, um, you know, I, I think some of these principles are mostly directed at church leaders or churches trying to help young people develop a stronger, more resilient faith. 
but really we can see that, that you could take those principles and you could actually transfer some responsibility to young people as well because again, Paul is saying to Timothy in this passage, you take the responsibility to guard and to fan into flame what God has put in you already. So take that spark and you fan that flame or you fan that spark into flame by being intentional, purposeful, patient with it. You do that yourself. And so, uh, yes, the Apostle Paul was assuming his responsibility in trying to continue to fan that spark in Timothy, but was also telling Timothy, fan it into flame yourself. So again, there's, there's ownership on both sides. I think we as uh, older folks, we as older disciples, we as church leaders and even churches together have a responsibility to our young people, like a deep responsibility to our young people. Um, Paul doesn't seem to talk about that right in this passage because he is showing by example right there the responsibility that he had for <laughs> Timothy. <laughs> he is very much showing by his words the, 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 the reality of the, the, the ownership he wants Timothy to take for that flame, for that faith in his own life and the growing, the development of it so that it's strong and resilient, all these things. And so, um, so I just want to go through real quickly. I, I think this is, um, these are old notes. So, um, you know, I just went back and grabbed these notes. I didn't go back and look at the book, but, you know, here are some of the things that I remember the first time I looked this over okay. stood out to me. This you is know, from Sticky Faith. From Sticky Faith. Okay. From Sticky Faith. Um, so, uh, this idea that um, that one of the most important things to developing a sticky faith is what happens at home. You know, so faith at home is incredibly important. And so the way that they talk through this is about the responsibility to develop a warm, loving family environment where faith is openly discussed and modeled. Mm -hmm. So conversation and example within the context of warm and loving family is one of the things that they found that that Chap Clark and uh, Kara Powell found. Is, is one of the indicators, uh, key indicators, as to whether or not a resilient and strong faith will develop and then be maintained in young believers. Mm, that's good. So, so what happens in the family is essential. And, and you know, that's one of the things, uh, I mean, one of the areas that here at Grace Chapel, we really want to devote time and resources to um, helping families develop this kind of environment. Um, you know, that's one of the one of the kind of our themes this year, even in, in how we're going to engage as a staff, family ministry team. How can we help move this forward so that we're seeing the development of, you know, again, this warm and loving environment where faith is talked about and where faith is modeled. Right. Um, yeah, I can remember sitting and it's not to not to beat anybody up. It's just to just to tell the truth of a, an experience that I uh, that I was a part of. Um, more than, I mean, this is close to 15 years ago at this point in time when I was still working in youth ministry myself. And I remember sitting in a room, we'd had some pretty tough things happen in our youth group. A number of uh, kids who'd really stumbled in their faith and some, some tough things had happened. You know, I mean, I could tell you about what those things were, but, but we won't, I won't go into it. But just, you know, imagine difficult things that can happen in youth group where young people have really struggled in their faith and yeah. have gotten into some, some trouble in, mm -hmm. in the world mm -hmm. with the world around them and that kind of thing. And so we'd had a number of those instances in a row and, 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 and uh, several parents were crying out for help and asking, you know, what can we do? And so, you know, I decided instead of just giving or in addition to giving maybe specific situational uh, advice and encouragement 
based upon what was happening with a young person in a you know in a given family we need to bring the whole you know all, all youth group parents together and so we sat in a room with you know probably between 30 and 40 parents that were concerned and interested that that showed up for for this meeting and i remember asking in that meeting at one point in time tell me tell me what you guys are doing at home to really you know to to pass on faith to your to your own mm-hmm. kids what are you doing to cultivate this in your own homes and and that may not have been exactly how i asked it of course you know 15 years ago so i don't remember exactly what words i used but but that was the basic gist of it and i mean it was like crickets in the room hmm. i mean nobody nobody willing to raise their hand that doesn't mean that nobody was doing anything it just means maybe that nobody was willing to raise their hand until one lady in the back of the room raised her hand and she said you know if i'm going to be honest i wouldn't even know where to start hmm. so basically wow. saying we haven't done anything our child is now in his mid teenage years moving toward latter teenage years and we really haven't done anything i wouldn't even know where to start hmm. at this point and and certainly i mean if you haven't really taken the time to talk about and model faith in the home and now you're dealing with a 15-16 year old uh, child boy i can understand not maybe really knowing where to start yeah right yeah. so that's very tricky um, you know so starting early is really good but it's never too late to start mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. and so you know that's the first thing they found we need to develop these warm loving this warm loving family environment where faith is openly discussed and modeled um, yeah, that's good then beyond that we need to build a church family is the second thing mm-hmm, that that they mm-hmm. discovered you know and so the the um the goal of fostering intergenerational relationships within the church community um man is a lofty goal at times i know it's difficult at times i know sometimes it seems like you know i know older folks who have have felt at times and expressed like teenagers don't really want much to do with me they just look at me and they feel like I'm this really old person but then I've mm-hmm. heard it from teenagers as well to where they feel like older folks don't really want anything yeah. to do so I think I think there's this kind of back and forth uh, sort of tension that maybe is um, that that seems larger than it actually really is mm-hmm. you know the mm-hmm. gulf seems wider between uh, younger folks and older folks than it really happens to be um but this is another key indicator where where faith was sticky is where um intentional relationships intergenerational relationships within the church community had been fostered mm-hmm. and so um i know you can talk a little bit more uh, as we go about you know our efforts toward that with a with a uh, an initiative here called sticky faith partners yeah um you know yeah, if you want to do that now, you can you can talk about that for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So there's one thing that we kind of made an effort to do in helping with students kind of bridging the gap as they're mm-hmm. moving into this next phase of life, graduating, going out into college, workforce, right. whatever they're doing next, helping to keep them connected to the church family yep. and uh, in that broader sense of like this broader church family, not just right. their close group of friends. Um, but we started this thing we called Sticky Faith Partners, yes. playing off of this book where uh, we've just asked some adults at JC to partner with a college with a mm-hmm. uh, college student where they would commit to praying for them each week, yeah. reaching out to them, texting them, send them some encouraging notes, send a care package or two, that kind of stuff. And really yeah. just to invest in that student, invest in that next yes. generation, which does 
twofold, it really helps that student in a yes. difficult transition, right? Like right. those first few weeks, you're going to college, you're trying to figure out where's my new church family going to be like, mm -hmm. and trying to help bridge that gap when they're away from their old church family. Yes. Um, but then it also it is that intergener intergenerational element. Yes. Like something that's been really cool is we'll have a lot of our older members in our prime timers mm -hmm. ministry who will choose to reach out to a college student. Yeah. And we're kind of bridging that gap. Yes. It's been a really cool thing. Yeah, it's a really good thing because, you know, uh, and, and here's where I think sometimes the church does need to act as a catalyst to this because there are some walls and barriers. There is a chasm that we have to get over. Um, if the church sets up a scenario in which this is likely to almost bring people together for this purpose, it will start to uh, break down some of those walls and some of those <clears throat> barriers that maybe are not as big of barriers as we mm -hmm. thought they mm -hmm. were, you know, hurdles yep. that are not so high to jump, that kind of thing. And so, um, so that's been a great thing here. I know mm -hmm. my family, my mm -hmm. wife in particular, has participated in that several times and built some mm -hmm. really meaningful relationships with some recent youth group graduates that she has carried some of those relationships with her through, uh, through the last several years. And it's always neat to see the way that she'll interact, you know, and so it's gone from yes, sending care packages, letters and other things, texting, uh, text, sending encouraging text messages, phone calls, that kind of thing mm -hmm. when it's appropriate, um, to then when those, uh, those young college girls in her case are mm -hmm. in town, um, man, she's magnetically drawn to them. They're magnetically yeah. drawn to her. Yeah. They're conver you know, con conversing in a way that's meaningful. And so it's the establishment of relationship that is, is meaningful and is just another one of those key elements that, mm -hmm. uh, that mm -hmm. is seen when stronger, resilient faith is present in, in younger people. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Uh, the next one they have is you know, the, the need to encourage young people to ask tough questions and explore their doubts. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll talk that's about good. this a little bit more um, in, in another follow-up question we've got. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's incredibly key. You know, I, I've talked about before um, being in an environment where um, I actually had an older church leader say to me as I was doing a series where I was trying to address some of the difficult questions that our kids and youth group had, um, basically say to me, well, we don't talk about those kind of things in church, you know, and mm -hmm. I, I, man, I, I just, I lament that. I, I think the idea was, I think his idea was well-meaning. I think he was afraid that if we talked about those things, talked about some of those difficult questions, that yeah. it actually yeah. would lead uh, more of a focusing on those difficult questions. And then, you know, so, so we're afraid to bring up the difficult questions or we're afraid to create an environment in which people can ask difficult questions because talking about it is likely to mean that we're just gonna keep going down that path, which research just does not support that. On yeah. the flip side, what research supports is when young people can ask their tough questions within the, the, the church environment. When the church environment is a safe environment for those discussions, mm -hmm. that it actually helps them explore those doubts in a healthy and safe place, and oftentimes will help them navigate those doubts and their faith really will actually good. be stronger on the backside of that. So Yeah, I mean, and unfortunately, I do think that's one that feels counterintuitive to mm -hmm. some folks. Like, I mean, yeah, you're like right. you're saying, there is some some worry, some concern mm -hmm. about exploring those questions yes. and maybe sometimes even a feeling of, I don't know how to answer those questions. Right. And sometimes there can be some internal yes. angst about that, that 
I can't answer that. Yes. I'm just taking that on faith, so yeah. I don't want to entertain that. And yes. um, man, I think you're you're so right in this yeah. this research. I think is is so true on that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the the idea that we're somehow validating or saying yes, that is a reasonable, rational doubt. I mean, um, or or a doubt that should derail your faith by just having the conversation is is I think a little bit shallow to me to be honest you yeah. know it's it's uh again it all depends on how you engage those conversations but it creates also this openness if we if we create this environment where young people can ask tough questions there's the opportunity for us to be honest and say i've also wrestled with those tough questions at times i've walked through them you know the idea there's nothing new under the sun basically mm-hmm. um, and so when young people are able to see uh, some of us who are older, having walked through some of those tough questions, those challenges to faith, they're able to think, oh, well, okay, so for in my case, well, my, my preacher has also walked through yeah. um, wrestles and struggles with these questions. If he's walked through it and he's where he is currently, um, you know, then it, it must be okay to wrestle like this. Yeah. And it must not mean that my faith is coming to an end. This is just a momentary blip in my faith or a question that I have re- regarding my faith. And so um, it's I okay think it's a healthy just to thing. create a culture to say it's it's okay to have some doubts. Right. Like I don't see yes. throughout scripture, I, I just right. I don't see Jesus condemning people for having doubt. Was, mm-hmm. In my small group we were just we were studying Matthew chapter eleven this past okay. week. There's this moment where John the Baptist is reaching out. He's in prison and he's reaching out to Jesus and he's mm-hmm. basically asking, like, "Are you really the Messiah?" Like, yeah. uh, he is expressing his doubt. He's yes. a little unsure. He's sitting here in this prison yeah. cell and he is questioning, "Is this really the right guy that I'm following?" Yes. And Jesus, in his response that he sends back with his disciples, he, in a classic Jesus way, he doesn't give a direct answer. He says, look at this stuff, look at the blind sea and all this um, groovy stuff. But he doesn't condemn him. He doesn't so go back and be like, John, how could you doubt me? Like, I thought you were loyal to me. Like, no, he seems very, like, loving and compassionate. It just, I don't see this posture from Jesus towards doubt that right. sometimes we in the church have taken towards doubt. Yeah, yeah. M- many of the Psalms um, yeah, yeah. express doubt yeah. or question, or, you know, why would you let this happen, God? How long are you going to let this happen? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think there, there is uh, there's a modeling of expressing of doubt in healthy ways. Yeah, um, for sure. And so we can, sure. we can definitely do that here in the church mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's next? Yeah, so what's next? So um, next they say, you know, that we, we need to learn to provide opportunities for young people to serve and live out their faith in practical ways. And I, mm-hmm. I would say, mm-hmm. yes, very, very important. For so sure. In a programmatic way, we can in the church provide opportunities where young people can serve and live out their faith. Now, we certainly don't want service to only be tied to church programs. And mm-hmm. so I think on the mm-hmm. flip side of that, we ought to encourage, enable uh, champion, you know, young people to go find opportunities to serve themselves, and so again, so that they're taking the initiative as well. And so, in in the vein of what Paul is doing with Timothy, um, where again Paul is modeling what an older discipler is doing, what a church leader is doing. Of course, Timothy was a church leader himself, but but Paul is 
saying, Timothy, you do these things. And yeah, so yeah. Um, I think in that, you know, I, I could take just what Chap Clark and, and Kara Powell have said here and say, I think in that we ought to challenge young people to, in this moment, you know, despite yes, their youth, yes. um, or even sometimes because of their youth, go find a place to serve. And you've got a giftedness to offer now. You've got goodness to offer to others now. You've got well, that, the image yeah. of Jesus to reflect yeah. now. And so, so don't wait till later. Go do this now. Now is the moment to serve and love others and live out your faith in a practical way. I think that's so important for young people to make their faith their own in yes. that way. When they're actually living that's that right. out, expressing it in that way. And I like what you said that you know, the church, we can provide some programs towards that to some extent, but we really want them to take that out and do mm-hmm. it on their own in their That's daily right. life. And I even think the programs that we do should be pointing towards that. So I think of our New Orleans yes. mission trip right, right yes. now that we've been yes. meeting with our team, preparing for that with uh, a group of young people, a group of high school students. Mm-hmm. And in one sense, the New Orleans mission trip is kind of a means to an end that we're trying to disciple them to go out and live their lives on mission. Mm. So the goal is not just to go to New Orleans and do a one-week mission trip. Right. That's good. and that, that That's helpful. I, I do think that we're doing good work over there sure. and feel strongly in what we're doing. But the goal, more mm-hmm. of it, is that when that student comes home, they will have had this that's just... Right catalytic experience where they're with a group mm-hmm. of other young people who are all mm-hmm. like-minded. There's just this focus that when you're on a mission trip, you're fully yeah. focused on this mission. And the goal would be that when they come home, then they start to see, oh, there's similar problems right. right here in my home. There's also mm-hmm. people living in homelessness here in yeah. Forsyth County. There's also all of these problems, these things that I've just experienced. How do I take what I just did in New Orleans and now do that good. back here at home? Exactly or right. when I go to college or wherever I'm at in life. And a lot of times those programs should be pointing towards how do I actually make this yes. real in my life? Yeah, and so, so we often talk about our programs here even at the church is we hope this is a catalyst to you embracing this in your own life and so yeah, you know yeah. it's even it, it brings up the uh, I think the impetus for for some programs to actually exist in in a short-term uh, fashion for the sake of saying okay we, we don't want to institute a program here another new program we yeah. want this to be a catalyst to help people do this other mm-hmm, thing and mm-hmm. so know that we one day uh, one day uh, kind of service projects or whether it be a mission trip for a week uh, or even longer than that. The goal is that this would catalyze in you something, would equip you to do something on your mm-hmm, own. And so mm-hmm. definitely for that sure. is the hope. So, um, so you got one more. Yeah, one What's more. So one? the last one is this. So if we want to see a sticky or a stronger or more resilient faith develop in young people, um, there's also this call to connect faith to real life issues and, and show how this faith that we have makes a difference in the world. Mm. So um, it's interesting. I mean, I've, I've been at preachers' meetings before where, um, you know, I think well-meaning preachers will say things like, you know, well, I don't speak to current events. You know, I just, I just preach the Bible. I just preach the Bible. And, and I, I get that, you know, especially some guys who are really moving back to expository preaching, which, man, I value that highly. You know, I, I, I like to do a mix of expository preaching and 
topical preaching. Right now we're in an expository series. We're walking through 2 Timothy. So obviously I value expository preaching. But what I want to say to those guys sometimes is, hey, listen, I preach the Bible and then I want to show why these words, even though they're 2,000-year-old words, apply to right now. And so, yes, I'm going to talk about current events. And really that's what these guys are saying is, I preach the Bible, I don't talk about current events. And so it's this... Um, almost this aversion or this belief that if we really want to stay pure, um, pure to the text, we should not bring in current events. But I think what that does is it creates this real kind of, you know, life disconnect between uh, what we hear in Scripture and what what difference those words make in our lives, in our actual yeah. lives. And yeah. so, you know, I, I think for, for me that that's a really, really important one. Um, I always, when I preach, want to show how, how what we're hearing this morning connects back to real life and even mm-hmm. current mm-hmm. events. You know, what you're going through right now. Uh, and and, and for, for a long time, I mean, we just call this application. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, if, if the application is just super general and doesn't apply to more specific scenarios, then sometimes I wonder how much good we're actually doing people. Mm-hmm. You know, if we've got something happening in the world right now and this text speaks into what is happening right now and gives us, um, would, would impart to us a frame of mind or a paradigm about that, what is happening right now, then I think we should make those connections and say, look, this is why even these 2,000-year-old words right now are shaping our worldview yeah. yeah. and how we would react to fill in the blank, mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. we would think about this specific issue. And so, you know, I, I think um, making faith, um, not making faith, showing how the faith that we have in Jesus matters to the now, yeah. I think is pivotal for, for everybody, for all believers. To- totally agree. Yeah, because there, there can easily become this mm-hmm. disconnect and especially... Mm-hmm. I mean, for for anyone, but maybe especially for young people in this context where my faith is over here, it becomes this thing I do at church, but then real life is out here when I leave the walls of the church, and I don't see how these two things mix if we're not bringing in real-world events and issues into the way we preach and the way we're talking. Yes. I think I was just looking for this quote, and I could not find it. Okay. But I think it was was from John Stott, but where talks about this idea of, like, when he preaches, he holds the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other kind of thing. And just this idea of bringing that in, I think that is is so important, teaching Mm. students how to think about real-world issues, about how to develop critical thinking, cultural discernment right. as they're going out into the real world. It's so important. Yeah, I know you guys are right now uh, here at you know Grace Chapel. GC Youth is in a series yes. trying to help yeah. our young people develop the skills of cultural discernment. Yeah, um, doing that specifically through media. Yes. Students, we're l- they're watching media all, all the, the time. time. Yep. I mean, constantly, whether it's scrolling through TikTok, watching mm-hmm. their favorite YouTuber, mm-hmm. watching Netflix in the evening, playing music in their car. And right. how do you live in that world as a Christian yes. when most of that media that you're consuming is not Christian media? Yeah. What, what do we do with that? How yes. do we discern like, what's good? How do we learn to filter out and take some good pieces of truth? Because there are some good things in secular media. How do we take what's good in there and filter out the lies in there? And that's, that's right. some of the stuff we've been talking yeah. about. It's been, it's been really good. Yeah, I think that's really good. I think that's really good. Yep. Yes. Okay, so um, let's, 
moving forward, um, you said that some of what the Apostle Paul says as he writes this letter to Timothy points to the fact that life will not always be easy, and there will be lots of things that will threaten the flame of faith in young people that we're seeking to cultivate. So would you just kind of go through, you kind of gave a list of three things. What were those things that you mentioned on Sunday? Let's flesh those out a bit more. Yeah, you know, just, and this does connect back with what we were just talking about. you know, the reality is that the way that we work to build and cultivate faith in young people and the way that they would cultivate that faith in them in themselves as well and the way that God is working to cultivate that faith, you know, even, even as we've already talked about, you know, that Paul ends this passage by saying, um, God is guarding, you guard it too, basically. God is guarding what he's already put in you, um, but you fan that into flame, you know, is what Paul says to Timothy. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, there's this acknowledgement that if something needs to be guarded both by Timothy himself and by God himself Hmm. that that must mean that that thing is somewhat under attack or somebody's trying to steal that thing right so um, you know why do we have to work so hard to cultivate sticky faith in young people it's because well there are lots of things trying to unstick that faith in a sense and so uh, I mean, we know the statistics on this. It's not good. I mean, it's it's been, you know, uh, I've seen at one point in time, I remember it was roughly five out of six um, teenagers who who grew up in church walked away from faith in their 20s. And I think at one point in time, it grew larger than that to where it was something like seven out of every eight or eight out of every nine. I mean, it, super high numbers. Um, you know, we at Grace Chapel have tried to be very proactive yeah. in not letting those horrible statistics be true about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about us here and about our young people. Uh, but what it clearly exposes is there's a stickiness when you're in and among the church environment um, and maybe when you're in your parents' home, but it becomes unsticky when you're out in the world and th- there are some things that start to maybe attack and go after that faith. and. So, I mean, just a few common things that, that certainly I have witnessed over the years. I mean, I, I've watched people go through uh, difficult things, and, and I've experienced this myself. I mean, you go through trials, and just like the psalmist David, uh, you know, sometimes, but others as well, um, you start to ask the question, why, God? Why are you letting this thing happen? And, and the truth is, for many young people, they, they don't go... Many young people will go through their their time living at home without experiencing a very difficult thing. Many young people, I'd say the majority of young people. That's not true for everybody. You know, some people have experienced serious and significant trauma, um, you know, but, but as they get out of the home and as they grow older, that may, they may start to experience some things that are much more traumatic. Mm-hmm. You know, I know for the two of us, um, you know, we did at younger ages experience traumatic things. You know, mm-hmm. I uh, I lost uh, I lost a really close friend and then a classmate within a two week span mm-hmm. to separate car accidents in high school. And so, yeah, yeah, I had experienced some serious trials that just really rocked my world. Um, you know, I know you experienced yeah. you know yeah loss. lost my mom yep. when I was fifteen. And so, you know, it's not true about everybody, but it is true about a lot of folks, yeah, a lot of yeah. young people. And so you go through that first difficult trial, maybe in college or just out of college, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden now you're asking questions. And it's not like these are questions that nobody else has ever asked, but 
if you ask these questions and you're only asking them of yourself or around your peer group and your peer group is maybe not connected to church, it may not be a Christian peer group, you start to get this influence mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. through these times of difficult trials um, or difficult, you know, just difficult times period that, um, that will shape you yeah. in that moment. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, that's one of the things that can be, you know, a threat. You know, if you think about, you know, a real fire, um, you know, if you're trying to protect this real fire, the reality is that if the wind starts to blow, uh, I mean, it can become difficult to keep that fire lit, especially in its infancy stages. Mm -hmm. Or even as a fire starts to grow, if it starts to rain, rain can put out, you know, fires. I mean, think about, you know, the one thing that the firefighters are hoping for when there are wildfires, you know, whether it be in California or some other places out west or sometimes those we've seen in Australia, I mean, it's in a, in a time where it hasn't rained for some time. They're hoping for rain because the mm -hmm. rain will assist in putting out that fire. It may be the only thing that has a hope to put out that mm -hmm. fire. And so, um, you know, just as a real fire can be attacked by rain, sometimes wind, other, other things, other elements, you know, our faith can be attacked um, by things from the outside. And so what, can, what would rain on us? What would be a wind that we could not survive in? Well, difficult times, um, and especially maybe the first real difficult experience that a young person faces could be one of those things. I mean, you think right now, um, you know, we've walked through with families, I've walked through with other young people um, in the last number of years, you know, when, um, uh, especially with the opioid epidemic right now, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. you know, uh, with the high rate of suicidality among young people right now, I mean, our young people are gonna find yeah. themselves yeah. facing difficult things. I mean, it's, it's becoming more commonplace, not less. Um, and earlier, I think, than, than maybe it would have happened, you know, in, in the last 100 years. Um, you know, then, then there are just difficult questions. You know, I mean, I can think about, um, man, one of my, you know, certainly, I mean, we love them all, right? When we're in youth ministry, uh, we love all the kids that mm -hmm, we have. Mm -hmm. But, but some, some will be kind of, you know, our favorites, the ones we really spend time with, <laughs> uh, you know, just, just being honest. And yeah. so, um, you know, I, I can think about probably one of my favorite kids in youth group um, during the time that I was in youth ministry who went off to a Christian college of all places and found himself up against some difficult challenges to his faith that he'd never considered before. Mm. And within two semesters, he dropped out, come home, and completely walked away from faith. Mm. Wow. And I spent time trying to wrestle through those difficult questions with him and it you know, made me really feel like, man, I just did not equip him well enough um, but difficult questions, um, you know, the first time you, you bump up against, uh, you know, maybe a, a real philosophical challenge to faith mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. or a scientific challenge to faith or, you know, you can insert other things into yeah. Yeah, yeah. those blanks. It, it can send you reeling, you know, mm -hmm. or somebody's challenge, challenging the credibility of the Bible or um, saying, you know, hey, this, that's, that's just old and archaic. Why in the world are we going to listen to that? Or you start to see that, you know, Scripture does demand this um, this this level of uh, self denial and coming to the things of God and the plans of God for our lives. And maybe we're wrestling up against that. Just even with the past series that we talked about, you know, questions about you know ethics and and sexual morality or immorality and things that God calls us to, but the world is saying is okay. You know, even though God is calling us out of those things and. Now you're wrestling with that question and you're just not sure how to make heads or tails of it. Man, there are a lot of difficult questions that can, can really 
make somebody feel like their flame of faith is under attack. Mm. And so, um, you know, so that, and then, you know, just here's the other truth. I mean, um, I don't have no idea who said this. It's been said so long, you know, but show me your friends and I'll I'll tell you who you are, you know, kind of thing. So, um, you know, we can build our deepest relationships within the community of God. You know, so we already kind of talked about this in Sticky Faith, um, you know, in the Sticky Faith discussion, but we can build our deepest relationships around, you know, or within the community of God. Um, and those, you know, maybe those life anchor type relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but often when people leave home, they start to build their community, maybe not, you know, within the yeah. community of God. And yeah. so, you know, just the loss of Christian connection, um, the encouragement that comes with Christian connection, the challenge that comes with it, the maybe the challenge to these thinking patterns that yeah. start to develop as you face difficult trials and difficult questions and other things like that, you know, uh, that is another thing that, that again, you know, so we've, we've touched on most of these in the Sticky Faith conversation, but I think we need to acknowledge that this is often where the attacks to that flame of faith so, come. Yeah, so, well, all right, so let me ask you, so, mm-hmm. and I know we're, we're starting to get low on time, but yeah. um, so let's say we have a, have a person who yeah. did not have these things that we've talked about that helps with sticky yeah. faith. They didn't have the love, the, uh, the yeah. family where faith was yes. cultivated. They didn't have those intergenerational relationships. Yep. They didn't have a tough a place to explore the questions. And they just didn't have these resources. And now they're at a spot where they feel like these threats against their flame, are, it's, it's yeah. coming against them. Yes. They feel like their faith is under attack. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're even questioning if it's even worth moving forward. Like, yes. should I just give up on this? Like, I've got all these attacks yeah. that are coming up against my faith. What is the point in continuing to fight? Yeah. What would you say to that person? Yeah, so, so one, I mean, don't give up without a fight. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the first thing I'd say is that I think often, too often people give up without a fight. And, and often the giving up is motivated by something else. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, the difficult questions emerge and I'm willing to walk away and not, not really wrestle with these difficult questions because maybe I actually don't want to live the lifestyle that God is calling me into, the lifestyle of self-denial. So even, you know, questioning the pureness of, of motives if somebody is thinking about walking away from faith uh, i'm not saying the attack isn't real i'm just saying if if our strongest desire is to walk faithfully with god we'll often learn to navigate the attack if our mm-hmm. motives are maybe a little bit off then you know then yeah sometimes we can um you know we can almost give ourselves permission to allow this to be the reason that we walk away mm-hmm. um I would say this too, there are so many good resources. If somebody is struggling with difficult questions, and oftentimes it's, a, it's the difficult times that bring about the difficult questions. Um, you know, so if that is the case, if somebody is, is wrestling with difficult questions, there are so many great outlets. I'll have to go back and look and see. There's one that, uh, those of us who are connected with Renew, um, one, there's a Renew contributor that does an awesome job and has, has got a website that has anticipated lots of these difficult questions where really good, satisfactory, meaty answers can be found mm. to these difficult questions. So the challenges are real, 
but the good answers are real too. And so, you know, I, I would say, um, you know, to somebody who feels like that, you know, that kind of that flame of faith is, is under attack is, um, is one, realize that the attacks come, the attacks are real, and of course they come. Um, but the fact that your flame, that flame of faith is under attack may actually, um, may actually lend more credence to the real, you know, the real nature of your faith, because mm. if your flame is, if the flame of faith is under attack, why is it being attacked and who's attacking it? Mm. You know, and so for those of us who have a biblical worldview, I mean, we would have to go and say, well, well, the Apostle Paul tells us very, very plainly that there's an enemy who's out to get us. We have this armor that we can put on, as Ephesians 6, you know, we've got this armor that we can put on. Um, we can not put the armor on if we want to, but we also have the shield of faith that is, is there to help us extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy. So I would say those are the attacks, you know, and in that the metaphor kind of breaks down because the enemy's not like shooting flaming arrows to help build our fire further. You know, he's actually shooting these arrows to help kind of destroy that flame of faith, to put it out. And so, yeah, I mean, I think I would say, you know, the advice that I would give to someone who feels like, you know, the flame of faith is under attack is, is realize where those attacks are coming from realize that there are things that you can do to arm yourself and guard yourself against that attack. And even if you didn't grow up with a Christian community that, that was solid, it's not too late to find one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even if you didn't grow up in an environment where you could ask difficult questions, it's not too late to find that environment, seek that out. And maybe it's online, I'll see if I can link this resource, uh, if I can track it down before we post here on Wednesday. Um, there are so many things we can do to be proactive. So don't yeah. stop fighting. Actually, don't give up the fight. Fight harder because your faith is worth fighting for. Mm. You know, because this that. is what, uh, you know, I, yeah. I think this is what gives us real meaning and purpose in life. This is how we know what life is really about. Everything else is just aimless mm. and drifting. And, you know, so this is where the anchor for the soul is found. And so don't give that it. up. Awesome. Awesome. Well, as we close, Paul, mm -hmm. what would you say? How can we practice what we've learned to be faithful to Jesus? Yeah, I, just real quick to reconnect with that. You know, um, you know, th this requires again. If we if we think about um, you know what I tried to say about this idea of you know fanning a spark to a flame, um, the fact that it requires time and patience. You know, and then it requires intentionality and focus. And all this is true. And that's why the Apostle Paul uses this imagery. Because his, his folks, you know, the people he was writing to, you know, Timothy would have been extremely familiar with uh, in the first century the time and patience, the intentionality, the focus that it takes to fan this spark to a flame mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and to see that flame become a burning, roaring fire, which is what he wanted for his young disciple, Timothy. Um, we're familiar with it as well because survival shows are like all the rage nowadays, right? <laughs> so, um, so we know what that looks like. So if it's true about a spark to flame that it requires this patience, this time, this intentionality and focus, let's take the same attitude about faith. And I think then, as, as I've said, you know, I, I put two categories on this, you know, young people or churches and church leaders, I, I would say take initiative. Yeah. Here's the challenge out of this. If we're going to, if we're going to take what we've talked about and, and, and be more faithful to Jesus, here's the truth. We often, too often leave the development of, of our faith or, or the faith of others to chance. 
we think that what we're doing by gathering on Sunday morning is somehow enough. Mm. And let me tell you, it's not a drop in the bucket, mm. right? We need so much more yeah. than just coming together for an hour or sometimes two on Sunday morning. We need so much more than Excellent. that. We need yeah. relationships throughout the week. We need to take initiative in our own devotional lives. You know, I mean, as I, you know, I, I sang the little song, uh, and I won't sing it again here on Sunday morning, you know, but, but what I can remember going back to Sunday school class, sitting in a Sunday school class, and the teacher helping us sing the song, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. You know, just that basic step of being in Scripture and letting that shape us of praying and developing a relationship with God. I mean, just these very basic things that seem so basic, but they're not just basic, they're foundational. And then everything grows up from and out of that. You know, I would say don't forsake the basics mm -hmm. because they're basic. Or don't forsake what's simple. And don't assume that what's simple is simplistic. It's not. These things are foundational to who mm -hmm. we are. And mm -hmm. so um, let's not leave the development of our faith or the faith of others to chance. That would be my challenge. So if, if, if you know, someone is listening right now and they are, not, they are leaving the development of their own faith to chance, become purposeful about it. Mm -hmm. Take the time, be intentional, be focused about it. And if God is moving you to connect with a young person to help them learn to become intentional and focused and patient yeah. and all that, then seize that opportunity. I bet you'll find more receptivity there than you would have imagined. Mm, love that. I just want to add one more thing yeah, on that do. too. Um, and... Uh, less of a practice, but mm -hmm. I, I would just encourage you to, uh, just in this conversation we've had about the book, Sticky Faith, mm -hmm. I would encourage you to read Sticky Faith. Yeah. Like, it is it's excellent. We'll link to this in the podcast. Yes. Um, I just think these, these principles, these key components of what makes faith stick are so helpful mm. for all of us to be aware of. If there's parents listening to this, mm -hmm. to know these things, like you want your kid's faith to stick when they Absolutely. leave the house, right? So how do you cultivate an environment in the home through yes. the um, the other places where your students are engaging, like how, how do you cultivate environment where their faith sticks? If yeah. you are a leader of the next generation, you're a small group leader or something, these principles are so important. If you are a grandparent or you're a prime timer listening to this, like these are just such important things that we want to create a church yes. that is cultivating an environment where faith will stick in the next generation, yes. where at least we're doing everything that we can do to help to make faith stick. Because it is exactly right. staggering how many students do walk away from faith. And we do not want that to be the way it is here at Grace right. Chapel. And if there are these things that we could do that research shows is really helping to make faith mm -hmm. stick, let's do that. So I would encourage you, check out that book as kind of yeah. a the side practice. Check that out, read that, see what you can do to be the kind of person that is actively working mm -hmm. to help make faith stick. Yes. That's awesome, Ben. Awesome. Hey, well, that is all we got for today. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, Thank you, Paul. Likewise. Likewise, Ben. Yes, and we hope you all join us next week for part two of this series, In These Last Days. We, uh, we look forward to hearing from you all.